This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Baseball is back and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball, has a can't-miss offer to celebrate. New customers can bet just $5 on any team to win their game and get $200 in free bets if they do. Even if Sportsbook isn't available in your state, DraftKings still has you covered. You can still win big with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Contests. New customers can play free for thousands of dollars in prizes with their first deposit. All you got to do is pick a lineup with two pitchers and eight batters, stay under the salary cap, and rack up points for hits, runs, strikeouts, and more. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code FORGOTTENSEASONS. Bet just $5 and win $200 in free bets if your team wins their game. That's promo code FORGOTTENSEASONS. No spaces in there. At DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. 21 plus restrictions apply. MLB trademarks used with permission. See show notes for details. Only thing I'm plugging is Forgotten Seasons. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Forgotten Seasons. Today, we got the 2016 Raptors with Terrence Ross. This squad was led by the backcourt of DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry and won a then-franchise record 56 games. In the playoffs, they beat a Paul George-led Pacers team in seven games in round one. They held off old man Dwayne Wade's heat in the second round in seven, but fell to the eventual champion Cavs in six. The Raptors underwent a pretty dramatic turnaround as a franchise in the back half of the 2010s, culminating in that 2019 championship. If you can remember the late 2000s and early 2010s in Toronto, things were pretty bleak. This 2016 season that we're going to be talking about today is when they really made a leap as a franchise. They won their first playoff series since Vince Carter in 2001 when he beat the Knicks in round one. You'll hear T. Ross talk about just how crazy the city of Toronto was for the Raptors and the real leaps and bounds that DeRozan and Lowry made together to put the team in this position. Let's get into it now. Forgotten Seasons with Terrence Ross on the 2016 Raptors begins right now. Terrence, how's it going today, man? Uh, it's great, bro. Just, you know, I had my off day. Uh, 
you know, right before the end of the season. So, uh, yeah, having a good day. Wrapping up the season with the Orlando Magic today, we're going back to 2016 Toronto Raptors, mm -hmm. a historic season for the Toronto Raptors. Before we get to, to 2016, I want to rewind a little bit. Start with you coming into the scene in 2012. You're the eighth pick in the draft. When you, mm. when you got drafted to the Raptors, what did you know about the city of Toronto and the franchise when you got there? I mean, my, my first person in Toronto was like really Vince Carter. Um, you always think of Vince, even before, you know, Drake. Like Drake was a big deal at that time. But for me, I was a basketball fan. So I always thought of Vince Carter. And then just knowing that it was in Canada, it was in a different, completely different country. Um, it's a different feel. You, you kind of get all of that as soon as you, as soon as I heard my name going to Toronto, that's kind of what I thought was just, man, like just a different country. You know, you're going to put on for the city. It's just a different feel. So I know it was going to be a little bit different than uh, most of the guys in the States, but um, man, I loved it. Yeah. We were talking a little bit, just uh, we, we see now Toronto, the rabid, rabid fan base, Jurassic park, everything is live. Yeah. But that wasn't always the case. And I, I think what's really interesting about this story is really the come up of the Raptors and, and how that all happened. Just a quick brief history of the Raptors up until this point. So created in 1995 as an expansion team. You mentioned Vince Carter gets drafted in 1998, really puts them mm -hmm. on the map. They have a few get a few good seasons out of Vince. Nothing, uh, nothing too successful. Chris Bosh comes in when Vince goes out and two first round exits. And then the late 2000s and early 2010s are, are pretty bleak. I mean- They're rough, rough. Yeah, I mean like, not, not live at all. Let's, mm -hmm. uh, let's just put it that way. Uh, <laughs> so you get there in 2012, same with Kyle Lowry, 12, 13, you missed the playoffs, but that's the last time that that happens while you're there. And the next year, 2013 is, is when I think the tide really starts to turn. Two important yeah. people come into the mix, Drake and Masai Ujiri. People may laugh, but like Drake coming in in 2013 as global ambassador or whatever his title is, was really important. And it's funny, like reading his press conference, you could have sworn that he was just signed to the max to be like the starting point guard. He was hyped. Mm -hmm. So for the people that don't know, like what does Drake mean to the city of Toronto? Man, so, I mean, especially when I got there, you know, Drake was just coming into like that superstardom. Um, you know, I was, I was listening to Drake uh, mixtapes all throughout high school and then in college. So when I got there, that was definitely, you know, one of the things that you think of like, damn, you're going to the city where Drake lives. So that was dope. And I think when, when he actually, when we, when he signed on to the Raptors as like a global ambassador, he did bring like a different culture, man. Like he made people excited about the Raptors. Like he, he was always, he was at the games a lot. He interacted with the players um, he's posting on his socials. He's he's getting the city like into it. And I mean, we, we got to the playoffs that that what was that the 2014 year it was after my my second year in the league. We, mm -hmm. we got to that. We, and it was crazy, too, because they were so special because we were we had just traded Rudy. So we were thinking that, you know, we we're going back. It's like some rebuild or it was just, you know, kind of not you know the season's done. And um, Kyle really led the, the team with. You know, the, the attitude was like, man, we all we got. This is us in the locker room. Let's just go out and, and ball out as hard as we can before the season ends. Man, he that attitude, you know, it 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 grew. And we find ourselves playing in for like that seventh, eighth spot. So it was it was really one of my favorite seasons, man, especially as a young, a young guy to see what that means, like to see what type of attitude does help with the team. 
it goes a long way, bro. And, um, you know, that was a special season. And you could tell right then and then when Masai came into the picture, when Kyle came into the picture, when, you know, everybody on that that, that team kind of changed from, you know, the Colangelo era. Mm-hmm. The, the culture changed, man. It was a different culture from that point on. And you could see it. Um, you know, we made the playoffs that first year. And then with Masai and then that next season, we, you know, we kind of tried to build on that. And um, it just went from there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you guys make leaps and bounds sort of year over year. Uh, 2014-15, the year before the, the year we're focusing on, you set a franchise record mm. for wins, and then you break that again in 15-16. You mentioned Kyle really leading the charge there. To me, I think he has one of the more interesting careers that we've seen mm. because his first like seven, eight years in the league, he was a, always a good player. He played yeah. impact minutes on playoff teams, but he was nothing like he is now and, and was in Toronto where he's really put together a career where he's going to make the hall of fame. Mm-hmm. You get there in 12, 13, and that's also his first year. And even that year, he's like splitting time with Jose Calderon. And he's again, like not an all-star, not what he is now. What, what sort of changed with him, I guess, like what, what led to that leap? Because you usually don't see players make those strides in year eight, year nine, year 10 in their career. Honestly, just just my opinion, I think it was his relationship with Demar. Um, I, I if, if anybody knows Demar, you know how how hard that guy works, and um, and him, you know how close him and Kyle are, and uh, they spend a lot of time together. And you know, anytime you spend time with somebody, you naturally start to take on some of the characteristics, and you know, you pick up some tendencies or whatever. Not to say Kyle was never a hard worker, but I mean, you could tell he just took a major leap coming from Houston to Toronto, and like what he did, like. Cause you know, that that first year he was in Toronto, he didn't start. He came off the bench behind Jose, and um, I mean, just from I mean, he wasn't really known as a shooter. He, you know, there's a lot of things he had to work on, and then you could just see the way Demar got better and mirrored like the way Kyle got better. Like Kyle came in, I mean, the season came in super slim. Uh, he worked a lot on his jump shot. Uh, he took like a huge step. He took like a huge leap in his shooting abilities when it comes to like three point percentages. Uh, he, he was really he was really just dialed in. And um, I think him and DeMar kind of played off of each other and that kind of helped build them to what they are now, man. They, they both helped each other, honestly. And, um, you know, Kyle just, he, he took it to another level and you see everything coming together and like, you know, the, the championship year. So uh, it, I think honestly, you know, just being like the fly on the wall in that locker room and seeing those guys every day, it was definitely, you know, their relationship that kind of pushed each other. Yeah, I mean, we see like all the bromance stuff. We see yeah. all the social media posts, but you mentioned that the stuff that we don't see. What What is that stuff that we don't, don't see like in the locker room with Kyle and Demar? Man, they, I mean, they're like brothers. Um, you know, I've seen times where, you know, they, they get into arguments about, you know, whatever it might be, coverages, you know, schemes, you know, so forth. But, you know, no matter what, they're always locked in. They're always on the same page. They always have each other's backs. And, um, I mean, just seeing like I'm we, we spend more time with each other than we do, you know, our families during mm-hmm. the season. So they always sit next to each other on the bus. They're, you know, sitting each other at, at you know, lunch, breakfast, whatever it may be. Um, they sit next to each other in film. Like they did everything together. They were actually like, you know, best friends. And that's rare to see, man, because it's, you know, when you're in the league, it's you have so many different teammates, guys come and go. And, you know, you might have a different situation, than whoever. So it's. It's hard, it's hard to, you know, find those connections where you're just, like, locked in with somebody like that, like you know, so, you know from, you know, knee-high. So, to see them, to, to grow into that was special, bro. And they, they, they were the heart and soul of our team. 
Yeah, no doubt. Uh, DeMar's just another guy. It's so amazing to see him yeah. kill it right now. And he's another mm-hmm. guy that, that made consistent leaps and bounds. What were those? I assume you're battling him in practice a lot. You're both shooting yeah. guards. Like what, what are those matchups like for you in practice and how does that really improve your game? I mean, I, I, I've been following DeMar since I was in middle school. I, yeah, I'm, yeah. I've been, you know, I always looked up to that dude as like, you know, a, a, a model, like small forward shooting guard. Like he, he did everything like, and he was a really hard worker. So like, that's, that's something I really admired about him. Like he just, he works hard and he gets better and it's, it's just refreshing to see. Um, but I mean, you know, my first, you know, few years, I, I knew who DeMar was coming into, you know, to the league and all that. So I knew what his game was like. So seeing him up close was like, it was special. So for me to like play against him, go against him in practice, learn how he gets better, just watch him. It helped me a lot, bro, because he, he's one of the guys I still try to model, you know, my work ethic and, you know, the things I do, like, live by today just because of how he does. And, you know, you see all the success he has now. It's just a part of who he is, like, all the work he puts in and just the type of guy he is. Um, he, he's, he's amazing, bro. Uh, I mean, he's having a great year. You can see it now. But um, DeMar's always been that dude that's, you know, he's always he always helped me out when I needed help, like, you know, with defensive schemes, you know, offensive schemes, tips, whatever. Um, he's always one of the dudes you can go to, and he's always going to be open and, and chop it up with you. So uh, he he's a one-on-one for real. No, that's dope. How many times do you fall for that pump fake in practice? Man, <laughs> I think the first my first season was really rough defensively because I was always matched up on the second unit guarding DeMar. And I remember those, I remember the first my first practice against him. Uh, I got chewed out by Casey. Because DeMar went back door on me four or five times. And it was all like, it was the last three of them were lobs. Like, and I was trying to learn how to like tag the screen and then close out to the guard. And I just, for whatever reason, I just couldn't get the hang of it. DeMar was just like already very skilled and knowledgeable at that point. And he was just, he was a, he was a, he was a handful. So uh, yeah, DeMar, he's, he's, he definitely helped me out a lot. And then Dwayne Casey, you mentioned chewing him out. What, what does Dwayne Casey preach as a coach? Defense. Defense, man. Defense. Case was always a defensive mastermind. Um, I, I just remember we were always really tough, no matter what. Like, we always had that fighting spirit that that's rare in a lot of teams. Like, I remember those one year we we led – we I think we led the, the league in, like, most uh, comebacks, you know, down 10 or something. So, we had that special type of, like, you know, dog in us. And I, I think, you know, it all starts with Colin DeMar, but, like, Case was a perfect, you know, embodiment for that, for us to grow into, you know, the players that we become and kind of help set that foundation for like, you know, the, the Kyle, Fred, you know, uh, even like uh, uh, Pascal. So mm-hmm. they all grew into to that, that toughness because I think that first year with Case really let them know like the vibe that, you know, we were setting coming in. So um, Case is a really good coach for us. Nah, no doubt. We mentioned Drake coming in, and when Drake came in, you guys were like bottom half in attendance. I want to say like twentieth, and by the time he, the time it's twenty sixteen this year, you're number five. So mm-hmm. did you notice like every year an incremental just like growing and growing of the like rabid fan base in Toronto? Because Toronto, I mean Canada traditionally is not you know basketball country, but it's mm-hmm. really grown into that. And even in the early days of the Raptors, they really struggled. Mm-hmm. People say that the only reason they stayed in Toronto is because they got Vince and, and, you know, it's air yeah. Canada, but what did you notice just year over year with the heartbeat of the city as it related to the Raptors? No, for sure. You know, Drake, 
he sets the vibe in Toronto, man. Like, you know, everybody's OVO this. Uh, everybody wants to go to, you know, OVO Fest, OVO Weekend, Caravan. So it's all like Drake sets a really good vibe in Toronto and he has a really huge cult following. And uh, he, he's a hero. So, I mean, he's people are going to listen to it, gravitate toward what he's gravitating to. So I, I feel like once he started getting really, you know, involved with the team, I mean, even my first dunk contest, he he's was throwing it up to you. Bro, he's, he's sitting courtside going crazy. I'm dapping him up. I'm, he gave me his chains, all that. So I'm like, bro, this is – it was fun. So you could get the vibe that he was really, you know, you know, having fun with the team. So I think just later on, once he actually got that that deal with the team inked and he kind of could do what he wanted to do, we started getting OVO-inspired jerseys. Like, he really brought the vibe. And I think – us getting to the playoffs helped, but he helped bring like the extra support and the extra like, hey, like who's watching the Raptors now? Or did you see Drake at the game last night? Did you see this and that? So uh it was great, bro. Especially his, his relationship with Lou Will too was like, I mean, after like six man came out, with, uh, Lou with his six man, you know, I'm always hearing them hanging out in the studio, this and that. Like you can just tell, like he was really vibing with the city, and you can tell that guys really started to notice that, you know, other places in the league. And, you know, Toronto starts to become, like, a really fun place to, to be when you're winning. Like, there's nothing like Toronto when you're winning. Like, everybody goes crazy. So, I can't imagine what, you know, winning a championship is like. So, uh, shout out to Drake, bro. He, he really, you know, he really put on for the team. What's something that 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 maybe people don't know about him? I mean, we see the, the superstar mentality, but we also hear about his kind of business acumen. What's something that just the everyday person wouldn't wouldn't expect or wouldn't know about Drake? Oh, he, he's he's actually a fan. He's a really good guy. Like he's, he's not just like, you know, big dog or to where he's just only talking to the superstars on the team. Like, bro, he was cool with everybody down the line. Like everybody could hit him up on Instagram get his number, chop it up with him, whatever. Like he was cool with everybody. I think it was just that love and that, and him being so genuine that, you know, kind of fit the culture that we were in. So um, he felt like he was one of us, bro. He's in the locker room with us after games. Like, I'm asking him for shoes. And <laughs> I'm hooking it up with his homeboys, and I'm talking to his buddies. So it's just like you felt like, you know, he just made everybody feel like one big family. That's uh, dope. It's it's crazy how much somebody that isn't on the actual basketball team can really elevate a team and a city. It's a I think it's a great model for like other other smaller market teams to I mean there's there's only one Drake but he's a Spike Lee of Toronto bro like he what Spike Lee is to even York, he, even more though even more though I'm no for like, sure like Spike is a Spike is courtside but like Drake is part of the team there's a documentary made about Toronto Raptors Drake will have his section in that documentary no doubt. Baseball fans, it is time to step up to the plate with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. New customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If Sportsbook is not available in your state yet, do not worry. DraftKings still has you covered. You can still win big with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Baseball contests. New customers can play free for thousands of dollars in prizes with their first deposit. Pick a lineup of two pitchers and eight batters while staying under the salary cap and rack up points for hits, runs, strikeouts, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code FORGOTTENSEASONS. Bet just $5 and win $200 in free bets if your team wins their game. That's promo code FORGOTTENSEASONS at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. 21 plus restrictions apply. MLB trademarks used with permission. 
See show notes for details. Zooming out a little bit. So just focusing on your team quickly, 56 wins, mm -hmm. franchise record, but then zooming out. Uh, people say that 2016 is like one of the best seasons ever. It was an amazing playoff. So you guys were a part of some, some great series, but looking at the East, it's you guys up top with 56 wins at the number two seed. And then Cleveland at the number one seed with 57 wins yeah. um, at the shooting guard position. We have sort of a, a change of eras. This mm -hmm. is the end of Dwayne Wade. He's got a few years left after this. this is the last year of Kobe Bryant. We have Harden really coming up in his prime. We got Clay, Jimmy Butler. Uh, I mean, you're battling with Demar every day in practice. For, but for you, who were the guys that one you you like really cherished the matchups, and two kind of gave you gave you gave you gave you problems? Um, I think it was always really like the bigger wings. So um, definitely like Paul George. He was always a tricky matchup. Um, and this I is after I, this is like his first season that he's really back after that leg injury yeah, too. Yeah. So this is like, this is a playoff series. I think we had them and maybe first, and then we took them like to seven games, six games or seven games. Seven. He, yeah. He, you could see him. He was, he was hitting amazing shots. And I think just for those first few years, cause he was, when I got into the league, he was just coming off of like that, that tournament run where he dunked on Birdman and mm -hmm. you know, he was challenging, you know, the big three in Miami. So he had just started to come into his own and we played him a lot. So He's one of the dudes that was always really fun to watch and one of the guys that, you know, I kind of looked up to. Um, Carmelo, when he was in New York, my first couple of years was really tough. Um, J.R. Smith, to me, I was wow. not matched up a lot with, especially when he was in Cleveland and New York. Um, Similar play styles. You, you, yeah. You look up to him at all, like, when you were younger, watching him? Yeah, no, no. He was always an exciting player because you just never know what he's going to do next. Like, he's going to do something crazy where he's going to do a dunk or a – 363 point corner shot like you just didn't know what to expect from him so he was fun to watch in that aspect but like guarding him was incredibly tricky because you know he's capable of doing things and if you if he gets one feel good shot you know that's a dude that can go for 40 so go crazy yeah he was one of the guys clay thompson was really tough because that's when you know they had already won a ring and he's you know the splash brothers were in full effect and it was just yeah, he was a really tough guy to guard. J.J. Reddick, too, at you know, one point was really tough when he was with the Clippers. I think he was leading the league in um, first first quarter scoring. Um, Doc used to run him off screens religiously, so he was a tough guy. Anybody that could shoot was was tough. So, I mean, is that, it was a bunch of guys. Is that just harder and more annoying to you, guarding those guys that are just running off a million, like, flare screens, cross screens, versus the guys that are just going to take you one-on-one? -on -one? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's almost like pitch of poison because, you know, there's guys like James Harden who's going to have the ball in his hand. He's going to do a lot of ISO and try to get you moving. But, uh -huh. you know, some if you know if you know what you're doing, like you can you can get in front of him and you can just know that if you keep your hands back. And it's it's a lot easier said than done. But, like, you can kind of control that because you know you'll have help with other people. But with shooters, man, it was tough because you know you're doing a lot of running and, like, like those Marco Bellinelli guys, like even if you're right there, they're gonna. Like, you're going deep. You're you're going yeah. deep. You're going deep cuts. I love it. Yeah. No. So like, it's just I'm. Those are the guys I'm, I was guarding. Like even when you're talking about 2016, these are the guys like in, like in their prime where they were just gunning and shooting and running. So like the Kyle Corvers, everybody like that. So I was I was the young guy that had to run because Demar wasn't chasing those guys on him. Where did you learn just to be able to shoot so well, like almost even without your feet? Like you're, you're, you're running off stuff, obviously you're using your yeah. legs, like any shooter, but it doesn't matter where your feet are pointing. Was there anybody that you learned from or that you watched to just 
just help you with with that style of play? Um, so growing up, uh, <laughs> growing up, I, I was always a, a decent shooter, like a really good shooter. So that's something that always felt really natural to me. And I just realized, and I always struggled with my, my handles growing up. So like I relied way more on my, on my shots. So like just me trying to always get square, get shots off and like difficult spots, because I knew like playing my friends, we used to play a lot of 21. Mm-hmm. And so I know like if I'm ever going to win, I can't do all this dribbling. I have to literally rely on my jump shot. And that's one thing I kind of developed more as I got older, like as my dribble started to get better, I started to, put two and two together. So once I got to the league, I kind of had a combination. Like I, I kind of looked up to guys like Rick, Rip Hamilton and um and uh and like Reggie Miller because they can move without the ball and they could no matter if you were there or not, like they can get their shot off in front of you, to the side of you, wherever. So those are kind of guys I like because I used to get ran off the of screens a lot and you know something I felt comfortable with. So once I got to the league, I kind of tried to develop that more and like a little of that JR Smith South start to mm-hmm. you know come together where I'm 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 jumping through and I'm shooting. And, you know, it was just, it's just something that kind of came together. So coming back to the season, you mentioned that seven game series against Indiana, you guys advance past them, get past Paul George. And then round two is against Miami. And this is a team that I think is one of the most random and like forgotten teams. Like they have old Dwayne Wade, they have Joe Johnson, Luol Deng, Amari Stoudemire is starting a few games, starting with D Wade. I mean, he's like 34, 35 years old, but he averages 24 points per game this series. He gives you 30 a few times. Uh, what do you remember from old man D. Wade at that time? He was very savvy. He was very, very smart. Um, his IQ for the game, especially in the guard spot, was good because he could shoot it. He was very capable of shooting, and, he, you know, he had his feet set. He can hit threes, but he wasn't relying on that. So everything he was doing was more so like slashing, ball handling, you know, getting to the rim. So for him to do that at that age was just him relying on, you know, his skills and his intangibles rather than like his athleticism and his youth. So uh, I remember him just being really smart. I'll never forget, like, and it's something I use to this day. This is like a move I get from D-Wade because I use it a lot now. Um, I'll never forget, I was guarding him in the corner on the wing and I'm like already noticed like, okay, it's a pin down for D-Wade. They're calling me. I see the big coming towards me. So I'm like overthinking in my head, like, how am I going to guard this? Because he's really fast off these screens. And like, he needs one dribble and he's a Euro set, whatever, to the basket. So I'm trying to think, okay, what can I do to like keep up with him off this screen? So I jump, we're in the corner, in the left-hand corner. So I'm, I jump on his outside, which I don't know why I did that. Because I'm trying to like, follow to stay on mm-hmm. his back across the trail screen. you, you yeah. said you trail yeah and he just face cuts straight to the basket for like an easy leg and that's like something i didn't think of just because I, it's like my second it's like my first second year and i'm just trying to you know make sure i don't give up this easy bucket and then him just being so smart who's just like oh he sells it off the screen goes right back door lay up and now that's something i do all the time like, that's how i get all my little 360 dunks in my windmills because i i literally do the same thing he does if somebody's if somebody's trying to play me from going off the screen I'll take one hard step. I'll go back door. And if they know that the back door is coming and they get up on like my high side or they try to get on the opposite side, I do the same thing. I just do a face cut straight to the basket. And that's something I always think about because I get all my favorite dunks from what D-Wade taught me that one night when I got burnt. So that he's just so savvy. And like going into that series, he was just, he still had a lot of that. And he had more help too. He had Joe Johnson who could play bully ball. He had, was Gordon, Gordon Dragos was on that team. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I mean, they had some like Lil Dane. They had like guys who were very serviceable and just like old vets that knew how to play. So that helped take the load off. But he was still in full attack mode. And um, man, it, it was tough. It was really tough. We had to fight for them. Yeah, you had to fight. I, I love just watching older players because obviously mm-hmm. Dwayne, one of the best athletes ever when he was in his prime. But it's great to see like the skill level really stick and him to add those smarts. That that was a, a great story. Going into the next round, this is this is what it's all about. You got LeBron in the Eastern Conference Finals. The Raptors had never been to the Eastern Conference Finals. The city is going crazy. First, I mean, I feel like I know the answer that there, there's really nothing that you can do, but going back and trying to think about like the locker room and the pregame pe- preparation and the film sessions, what is Dwayne Casey and the coaching staff trying to tell you guys leading up to this series where you're playing LeBron, Kyrie, and K-Love? Like what is, what is just the overall game plan going into the series? remember the vibe going in was um, we were like really tired. Like we had made it really hard on ourselves going seven and six in those first two rounds. Seven, seven, seven. You went seven, seven. And seven, they, and seven, they went, no, yeah. And, and they, they went, went four, 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 four. Yeah. So they had been off for like a week and they're just like, you know, chilling. And out. Yeah. yeah. So I remember that was like, all right, we knew that was their advantage going in. So we were thinking about how could we make this, like it's ratty and muck it up as, as much as we can. And, um, you know, cause with LeBron, he, he can score. Like people don't think of LeBron as a great scorer, but he's such a phenomenal playmaker that he's, that's like almost another way he scores. So I remember one of the biggest things was try to make LeBron score. Like we were trying to be like, all right, we know that if we try to crowd into him and we're all focused on him, he's going to pick us apart and we're not going to see it. He has good shooters. Kyrie's like, you know, handle God can get past defenses. So like we we're trying to make it so that, you know, we're going to try to wear him down over two or three games. And then it's just like, now they're going to have to rely on somebody else to do the scoring. But man, it was, it was tough, man. He, it's, it's hard to wear that guy down. Like he, he's just, he's, he's, he was still very athletic at that point. And he's really fast. He was big. He could shoot. Kyrie really made a difference. Um, because at times, like, when we felt like we were controlling the game, Kyrie would do something to to break out, get it, you know, a little lopsided. So that was tough. Um, but yeah, bro, it was it was tough. I mean, that game went five. I remember we got two wins. I remember we got – did we get one win in Toronto and one win in they took They took the first two games, and then yeah. you guys tied it up 2-2, and then five yeah. and six, they – kind of lay the smack yeah. down <laughs> and I think and I think that's when it, we start running out of gas so it was those last two games and we, we were just running on E and it was just they were just hitting another level not to like just start any speculation but I always mm-hmm. wonder like what 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 is the reason why LeBron and Kyrie like whatever whatever happened weren't able to like ride it out together do you think it was just Kyrie like just sort of not wanting to be in the shadow of one of the greatest players ever and sort of try it on his own like what is your take there I mean it's hard to say man I mean I'm, I'm sure that could be you know aspect of it as well as you know and I, I can't imagine the pressures that come along playing with LeBron um, and the standard he holds people to I mean and, and it's already like this was like LeBron's like second kind of like you know, big three, big two and you you know you have the standard of living up to D Wade and Chris Bosh and yeah. It's just a lot of that, and I and I get it. I can't imagine what the day to day is like just to be around that guy twenty four seven. So it, it, it's hard to say, bro. It, it's so much that goes into it, and I know like 
LeBron does a lot of, you know, he carries the team to get to the championship. And I mean, but Kyrie did a lot of legwork in that, in like that series. But it's hard to say. I'm, I'm sure there's a little bit of that. I'm sure there was a little bit of pressure. And I'm sure, and I'm sure there was a little bit of wanting to prove that, hey, I can do this on my own. Like, and it's just, it's just tough. I don't know. It's, it's hard. I wish yeah. I would have the inside on my own. No, no, it's fine. I mean, I think when the dust settles, I think it's too recent. But when we look back yeah. at, 15 16 17 and those two like that yeah. is just one of the best duos of all time flat out oh yeah like, you know, in hindsight yeah and that's and that's hard to say but like when that's the thing though like you it's you wish that people could realize these type of things in the moment and and appreciate it for what it is but it's it's hard man because i can i with lebron he's trying to create a dynasty he wants more i know Kyrie wants more but it's just it's a lot, man. So much that goes into it. It's really hard to be with those teams that go, you know, three peaks and create dynasties like the Celtics and the Lakers and the Bulls. Like, that's just half of them. So, who knows, man? You know, pressure, you know, gets to everybody. And I say it's that, but who knows? Yeah. I mean, I'm glad you, you said you wish that people could just, like, enjoy the moment because I, I, I talk, it comes up pretty much every time I interview a player. It's like these days, I don't know, for whatever reason, maybe it's just people wanting to start conversations or arguments, but it's always like, yeah, you know, Kyrie and LeBron are, are playing great, but are they as good as like LeBron and Wade were? It's like, who, who cares? You know, like they're their own You're thing. You're looking at it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you guys losing six to Cleveland. Um, you get traded the next season, 16, 17. Like reaction, initial thoughts when when you got traded? Man, so I'll never forget. So I, we were in Chicago. We had a Wade game um we're in Chicago and I'm asking you know I'm, I'm asking people like what do you think is gonna happen during the trade my agent calls me he's just like you know I think that it's hard to say right now I don't think it's gonna happen but I'll keep you up to date things he does and so I remember that night I get a call I get a text from Kyle saying like hey man like I just heard you know from my agent that they're, they're gonna trade you tomorrow and I, and I had literally just got off my phone with my agent now he's just like well oh, my agent just literally just said you know he doesn't think things gonna happen so I don't know He's like, all right, you know, just, he's like, yeah, just, you heard it here first. So I was like, all right, cool. Kyle always looking out for me. He's like my big brother. So I'll never forget. So we have a, we have shoot around the next morning. I go outside to open my door and it was Dwayne Casey standing there. Cause that's, <laughs> cause you have to open the door to get it. We have to get, they put our, our loops, uh, our jerseys outside the door. So I was just getting my, my loop. He's outside the door and I'm like, um, and he comes in. He's like, Hey man, I just wanted to tell you first that, you know, we just found out we're trading you to Orlando, this and that. And so I'm just sitting on the bed, Casey's sitting there. I'm just like, dang. So I'm just like kind of taking it in. And then it wasn't like I was like super sad or or hurt. It was more so like I was just like, all right, well, I was just kind of like anxious for this next step and, you know, what my career was going to be. Because, like, you know, it, it was fun. Like I had a lot of good times in Toronto, but I felt like there was a point where it's just like, I'm either going to stay like in this role of just kind of being just the, the three point shooter that, you know, occasionally does something, or it's like, it's going to push me to, you know, take a step in my game and kind of evolve. So I was kind of excited for that. But I mean, anytime you get traded, it's like that nerve wracking feeling. It's my first time. I didn't know what the procedure was. I didn't know what was going to happen next. So uh, it was, a, it was crazy, but um, ultimately I'm, I'm, I'm glad it happened. Mm. And then just a few years later, what are what are the thoughts going through your mind when you see like Kyle lifting the trophy at the championship and like you're not there, Demar's not there? Is that it must just be like weird to look at? Like, is it? I'm sure you're happy for for everyone in Toronto who you were there with, but um, is there any part of you that's like, damn, man, like wish I was there? 
my first initial reaction was no fucking way like no way and you know so after we lost in that 2016 to to cleveland and cleveland mm-hmm. like went back to go three and one and whatever and win the championship i see clint because honestly toronto started that whole like bring your fans and the european vibe with, like everybody outside going crazy we started that cleveland kind of copies that during that same season and so when they're doing their their parade everybody's outside going crazy this and that and i'll never forget i text kyle like we have to do like like I want to win a championship. Like we have to like do this. This has to happen for us. And he was like, "Hey man, I'm watching this right with you. Like I I want this to happen too. Like we're gonna make it happen." And it's so crazy. Two years later, boom, history. And I'm just like, I was that close. But ultimately, I was so happy for the guys. I was still close to a lot of them guys on the team. I was still close with Freddie, uh, you know, uh, Delon. Uh, not Dewan. No, I was still with, with Freddie, Norm, Pascal. Mm-hmm. Ka- uh, like, I, I kept in touch with those guys. So it was just, even though I didn't win, it felt like I won still. Because, you know, I was, I'd never met anybody or was that close to people who won a championship. So um, it was it was a special time. It was, it was kind of surreal and numb. And uh, the, one, the other thing I was thinking was, like, I, I really can't feel too bad because, like, I know DeMar is feeling worse. So I'm just like, that kind of helped put things into perspective, but at, I mean, at the end of the day, I was, I was happy for my guys. Yeah, no, I can, I can imagine. Uh, like I said, I, I just love sort of trying to look at, look at the years and, and what's changing and really the rise of the Raptors where they are now as just one of the perennial, like good, solid franchises in the yeah. league. And for them to be in the situation where they were when you first got there, which is mm-hmm. no man, no man's land, not much of an identity, Two, by the time you left, like this is really one of the most exciting cities and rabid fan bases that we have. So thank you for your time, man. This this was great. Appreciate I mean, um, real quick, you're in the league now. Who you got winning this year? What do you think? It's gonna be a bold take, and I literally said this last year, but I got I got Phoenix and Phoenix and five or six. I don't care who they playing. Just yeah. like if, it, just, if it's the, if it's the Bucks again, I got I got I got the Suns in five or six. Just like a machine, bro. Have you seen them? Yeah. Devin Booker needs to be the MVP. I don't. I know that. I know that. You know, Jokic and, and Beat are balling out, but that guy needs to be MVP because he's he's leading the number one team in franchise the re- franchise record. And that's how it used to go back in the day. I understand there's always been robberies, but for him to not be mentioned is is ridiculous it's crazy it's crazy well it's going to be a good postseason thank you for your time appreciate it thank you for having me thank you everybody for listening this was forgotten seasons on the 2016 raptors with terrence ross drop a rating and a review if you liked what you just listened to we will be back next week and i will catch you then